Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online, internet, around the world church service. I'm so happy that you're here today, and I'm convinced in my heart by the power of the Holy Spirit that God's Word is able to build you up so that you can do what He has called you to do, and most importantly, so that you can be the person that He has called you to be. Amen. That's why it's so exciting to spend time in God's Word together. Now today we're going to start in Exodus chapter 25, Exodus 25 verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, now my friends, when we think about Moses, we think about the man that God used to bring the law, the commandments, not only the 10 commandments, but so many of the other, as we would say, fine print details that he brought to God's people, the Jewish people. And Moses brought the law to the people of God. Now we know that the 10 commandments were given on the day of Pentecost. That's when they were presented to the Jewish people and it was a celebration. And throughout Jewish history, they have known that Pentecost, which means 50, 50 days past Passover, Pentecost was the day that Moses came down with the Ten Commandments, and the world had never seen anything like it before. It established moral code, moral law, and it still today undergirds the governments and the nations of the world with a system of truth that can never be changed. God said that stealing is wrong. You shall not steal. And 10 million years from now, Stealing, of course, would still be something that's wrong because God said it's wrong. So we thank God for the day of Pentecost. We thank God for the commandments that were brought down. Now we can summarize them with basically understanding that you can boil it down to love. We are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our mind, our strength, and we are to love our neighbor as ourself. And of course, our neighbor uh, is a very wide spectrum. Praise the Lord as the Lord revealed that with the parable of the Good Samaritan. And uh, your neighbor could be whoever you run into, not just the person on your left or right of your dwelling place, but as you go forth, we are commanded to love all. Praise God. But my friends, even before the law came through Moses, and of course, in the law was contained the teaching, the instruction that God's people are to tithe. But before the law was ever instituted by God through Moses, Abraham, hundreds of years earlier, he had already been tithing. And Abraham was tithing when there was no law that says, you must tithe. <laughs> Praise God. You could say in a sense, he's tithing by grace, and he's tithing with faith. Now, today, we're going to jump into a mystery of the kingdom. But I do have to mention that tithing in and of itself is a kingdom mystery. There's something about tithing that when you begin to obey God and honor him with the tithe, which belongs to him, which is 10% of your income. When you give God the tithe, 10% of your increase, it begins to enact a spiritual law within your life where a canopy of protection and blessing that is literally supernatural 
begins to come over your life. And it is a kingdom mystery. Praise the Lord. Tithing is a kingdom mystery. We need to always honor the Lord by bringing him the tithe. And we're going to do that today in just a moment. But we also have those special opportunities to sow special seed as the Holy Spirit makes opportunity. Now, we have three major feasts that are outlined in God's Word. You have Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. And my friends, we're coming up very soon on what is mentioned in God's Word as Pentecost. Now, we celebrate it from a New Covenant perspective as the birth of the church. And we see that in Acts chapter 2. And Pentecost this year falls on May 21 through the 23rd. So it's a two-day celebration. And Sunday, the 23rd, I believe will be a very special time. And we're going to do something special. And we see here a pattern for that. Exodus 25, verse 1, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly from his heart. You shall take my offering. And this is the offering which you shall take from them, gold, silver, and bronze. Now, other items are also mentioned in verse 4, 5, and 6, and so forth. Uh, this is an offering that is being collected for the building of the beautiful temple. Now, back in the Old Testament during the time of Moses, it was known as the Tabernacle of Moses or the Tent of Moses. And technically, it wasn't until later when Solomon built what we would call officially a temple that we had the temple worship instituted. So this is for the tabernacle in the wilderness and God wanted it to be beautiful. But here's something special that the Holy Spirit showed me that as we come into Pentecost, we are going to receive a special offering that will all go towards the pure gold television program. And it is the pure gold program of this ministry that is the largest outreach of the ministry because it's on various networks and it is literally going around the world to over 100 nations. And so it's very effective and it's reaching far and wide, spreading the good news of the gospel. And on every program, there is a salvation invitation uh, call that's given for those that would like to give their heart to Christ. And we have just finished recording season three. It is in post-production that has been completed. We're just going to pop a few more things in and season three is going to be ready to be released. And they're the best programs, my friends, we have ever recorded. And I want to say thank you that we are coming up on a full year of television broadcasting on five major networks and we have paid all our bills on time. We have produced all the programs. They have all been paid for. God has blessed it, blessed it, blessed it. And my friends, it's time now to replenish the pure gold account because God wants us to reach further than we ever have before. Now, the reason there was an offering for gold is because the gold is going to be used in the holy place and also the most holy place. The television program, Pure Gold, is based on the piece of furniture in the holy place that's called the Altar of Incense, and it would be positioned right before the curtain 
right in front of where the Ark of the Covenant was. And of course, just uh, behind that to the left and the right, you had the, the menorah, the golden lampstand, and then of course on the other side, the table of showbread. Praise the Lord. These are very exciting things. So the things, the furniture that was used in the holy place and in the holy of holies, it was different. It was not brass. It was not silver. It was pure gold. And so the Lord said, bring a pure gold offering for Pentecost for the pure gold television program. My friends, my wife and I are going to sow personally into this ministry work. And I want to invite you and extend the opportunity to you for Pentecost that you will sow a very special seed, a gold offering, because it's going to the pure gold television ministry, and we're after souls. Woo! We're out to build up the church, and my friends, we're after souls, and we mean business with God. I'm asking that you would sow your gold offering on Pentecost, which is May 21 through 23rd. Prepare your offering. Prepare it, and bring it in on the 23rd. You can bring it in a few days early if you like. And I'm going to be praying over it. And when the Lord was revealing these instructions to me, he took me into a vision and I saw oil, a golden oil coming up on those that would sow into this television project. And as I saw the oil touching those that are going to be uh, partnering with this work and sowing into this work, as I saw the oil coming down, I said, Lord, I see the oil touching your people, but what kind of oil is that? And the Holy Spirit told me it's the golden oil of prosperity. Woo, praise the Lord. I heard that as plain as day, as clear as crystal. I heard the Lord speak that to me. I want you to sow a gold offering. And I'm not saying it has to be, I'm not talking about literal material gold. I'm talking about your fet, your best financial gift. That's what gold represents your very best that you would sow your best financial gift into this Pentecost pure gold offering for world evangelism through our half hour television program. And I believe that as you do what God showed me of golden prosperity oil, it will touch your life and your finances, your finance, your finances will be touched by the Lord in a very sacred, beautiful, and special way. Woo! Praise God. Now, as we honor the Lord with the tithe, and as we also take advantage of these special feast days and the open heaven that they provide, I ask that you would prepare your seed, your special gold offering for Pentecost. You would begin to get that ready. Husbands and wives, that you would get together and come into agreement, and that you would do what the Holy Spirit would direct you to do. If we all do our part, I believe that we will meet the budget for the whole year. I believe that we can exceed and go over the budget, the annual budget for the whole year. And that includes airtime for the various networks. It also includes all the recording, the production, post-production, everything. I believe we can clear the annual budget on Pentecost Sunday. I would ask that you would pray with me and be in agreement for this and that we all will do our very best and let's watch what God will do. And I'll be sure to share the praise report with you. Now, Heavenly Father, as your people are like Abraham, 
They are people that understand grace. They are people that understand walking in faith. They are your people who understand they are blessed to be a blessing. Father God, I thank you that as you're bringing the tithe in now, I thank you that that supernatural protection is all over their life. And Father, as they prepare to sow their special Pentecost gold offering, I thank you, Father God, that they are positioning themselves to be touched with the golden oil of prosperity that you are going to release upon their life on Pentecost Sunday. Now, Father, we give you praise and we thank you. I thank you for speaking to every heart and instructing them by your spirit what it is that they are to do. And I thank you, Father, that working together, we working together with collective teamwork as a body, that we can accomplish the assignment that you have given for the Pure Gold Television Program mandate to reach the world with the gospel. Now we give you all of the praise. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Let's shout and say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, if you're mailing in your tithe, you can send it to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code here is 28654. And of course, you can also mail in your pure gold offering for Pentecost at that same address. Now, if you want to bring in your tithe and your special Pentecost seed, when you have that prepared and you're ready to launch that for the Pentecost blessing, you can uh, bring that in online at stephenbrooks.org. There is a link on the homepage that says give. It's a red banner. It has a red heart on it. It says give. And if you click on that, it will take you and you will see, you will see the special link and the little special picture for the pure gold Pentecost offering. Woo! Praise the Lord. Father, bless your people. Bless your people. Thank you, O God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. We rejoice in what the Lord is doing. Mm-mm. Hallelujah. There's expansion. There's great increase this year coming to you. Thank you for partnering with this ministry and the expansion of the gospel message through this ministry and through our television programming. Hallelujah. Oh, we have been asked to come on a very special network. I'm trusting. I'm trusting that the response of God's people that will be so golden that we are able to sign a new contract and expand onto a new Christian network. Praise God. It's very exciting. Amen. Thank you for your gracious giving. Now today, I want to talk about operating in kingdom mysteries, and I would even say that with the unveiling of one particular mystery in the kingdom that we're going to talk about today, that this will facilitate not only bringing the glory back into the church, but also bringing the glory of God back into your life. And the good news is that you can have it back in your life. Are you ready for this? If it has been missing, if it has not been at the level that God wants it to be, you can have it come back in one day. Woo! Praise God. And I want to talk with you about that today. And I want you to prepare your hearts and be attentive to what we're sharing today from God's Word. 
Let's pray. Father, as we go into your word now, in today's message, we ask that your Holy Spirit would bring illumination to the scriptures, that we can take it and apply it to our lives. And we thank you that, oh God, your word is simple. There's no complex hoops for us to jump through. We thank you, Father God, for giving us instruction to walk in levels of breakthrough and miracles and greater glory. We give you praise in Jesus name. We pray. We agree and say, amen. Hallelujah. Let's take our Bibles and go to first Corinthians chapter 14. And let's go to verse one, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Now the apostle Paul took an entire chapter chapter 12 to talk about the spiritual gifts. He lists all nine of them. And then we have what we could call a sandwich. Chapter 12 is the bread. Chapter 13 are the contents of the sandwich. Uh, you know, whatever you would like to put on your sandwich. And then chapter 14 is the other part of the bread that closes the sandwich up together. And chapter 13 is very important because Everything we do needs to be done out of a heart of love. And it is possible to operate in gifts of the Spirit. It's even possible to give all of your possessions away to the poor. But if you're not doing these things in love, then you're not going to receive the reward that the Lord would like to credit to your account. So our motives have to be right. And the primary motive of the spiritual gifts is to build up God's people and to reach the lost with the love of Christ. Praise God. So that's why we have chapter 12, gifts of the Spirit, a break, chapter 13, a deep teaching on the subject of agape love, which is the selfless type of love, and then a continuation uh, very deeply into the gifts of the Spirit, particularly tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy that carries on in chapter 14. So two entire chapters that Paul expounds upon the subjects of the spiritual gifts. Verse one, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. The word gifts of course is in italics. It's not actually there. That word gifts is not there in the original Greek language, but it, it is fair to say that these are tangible gifts that are given. But the point of it also is that there is a spirituality that comes to the mature believer where you move past the carnal nature and you begin to get into that flow of the spirit where you sync up with God. And when you sync up with God, watch out, watch out. The gifts of the spirit will be popping out of you, not might, they will be popping out of you. That walk of the Spirit produces beautiful fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, and it also will produce the gifts of the Spirit. And let me say this, I'll go further. I don't care what denomination you belong to. As long as you have faith in Christ, and Christ is your Lord and Savior, and you're serving God the best you can, I'm telling you, God will meet you right where you're at, and the gifts will start popping out of you. Woo, praise the Lord. Mm -mm. I have a Baptist pastor friend that I went and ministered at his church in all of his life. He was Baptist and he was a Baptist pastor. And I, I prayed for him. He got filled with the Holy Spirit. 
He began to speak with the new tongues. And I, I told him, I said, brother, before the year is out, the Lord shows me that he's going to give you a church building that's paid off. It's debt free. And you'll, it, you'll be handed the keys to it. And uh, I didn't, I didn't know that they were actually recording on audio, my, my message and my prophecy, but he took that to heart and he was so excited. He came up after the service and said, he said, brother Stephen, I'm so excited about that prophecy you gave me about God giving me a church and it all paid off. And I said, did I say that? He said, you sure did. I've got it on recording. And, uh, you know, when you're under that anointing, there's a flow and you, your mind is kind of like you override even intellect and you get into the spirit. And sure enough, it was on the recording that I had said that. And, oh, I think I was at his church like in April or something like that. Not this year. This was a little while back. And the year began to go on and go on. And I, I didn't really think about it because I was busy ministering. But he told me on the last week of the year, when, when I'd said that, like time went around when it was almost right at the end where I said it would happen within this certain time frame. Within the last few days before that time frame was up, he had gone to a Baptist convention. And at the convention, he was one of the speakers. And as he was speaking, he finished his sermon. And as he walked down from the, from the pulpit area and walked down the steps to go take a seat and sit down, as he's walking down, another Baptist pastor walked up towards him and met him halfway and reached his hand out and gave him a set of keys and said, Brother, God told me to give you my church building. The whole thing's paid off. I don't owe a penny on it. You take over it. You enjoy it. You expand your ministry. The building's yours. <laughs> True story. <laughs> so today he calls himself a Baptocostal. He's a Baptocostal preacher. I'm just, I'm just telling you that wherever you're at, you can get up and running real quick with the Lord. Mm -mm -mm. Now, verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Now, let me say this. The devil, he, he hates it when you pray in tongues. And I think a lot of charismatics, Pentecostals, they maybe have belittled this gift, and they have lost sight of the true power that can be released through this kingdom, uh, kingdom mystery. And you have to understand that the devil hates it when you pray in tongues because he doesn't know what you're saying. If you're an American or you speak English, whenever you're praying in English, there can be interception of your message. You know, I love reading about uh, World War II and a lot of the history and even also over in Vietnam and, you know, the war history and things like that. But I believe it was in Vietnam where, you know, the, our communications was just having problems because everything's getting intercepted and they could break the codes. So the enemy was breaking the code. Well, they brought in, our U.S. military brought in some Navajo Indian soldiers that could speak the native Navajo language which was almost pretty much extinct and very few even amongst their own tribe could speak it fluently. Well, they brought them in and they were the, uh, the, the, the code talkers that nobody could ever crack the code. It was just uh, when the enemy heard that, they're like, we don't know what kind of a language you're speaking and we can't unravel it. And they never did. So my friends, when you are speaking in tongues, when you're talking in tongues, the enemy he doesn't know what in the world you're talking about, and it aggravates him. 
uh, it displeases him, which is exactly what you want to do. You want to, you want to bypass him and you want to get into the spirit and you want to have that special communication with God. Now that doesn't mean that you don't pray in your, your native language, which, which for me would be English because many times I do pray in English and you can pray in the spirit in your native tongue, but you're praying 100% accurately in the spirit when you are speaking in your prayer language, your spirit language, which is tongues for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. You go straight up to God with this language. It's going directly to God. He understands every bit of it for no one understands him. Now it's not possible to understand a fellow Christian who's praying in tongues unless the Holy Spirit moves upon you with the gift of interpretation. And then while they're praying, you can actually understand what they're saying. That's always a, uh, you know, like a super illuminating moment when you actually hear somebody that's just, you know, maybe they're just casually praying in tongues or maybe they're strongly praying in tongues and suddenly they haven't changed language. They're still, they're still speaking in tongues, but you can, you can suddenly understand everything they're saying in the spirit. Woo. Praise God. It's actually quite electrifying. Mm -mm. Get ready, get ready for it. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Now today we're talking about operating in these kingdom mysteries. We're going to focus about going deeper in your spirit language. Today, there's not a lot of fresh content on the subject of tongues, interpretation of tongues, and the great depth that there are in this spirit language. You need to understand that this is very needful in the body of Christ today. Matter of fact, a lot of the good books that were written on the subject of tongues and interpreting tongues, most of them were written back in the 1960s or the early 70s when you had the charismatic revival that broke out and you had a lot of people in different denominations getting suddenly filled with the Holy Spirit. You had a lot of Lutherans, a lot of Catholics. They are receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So books were written, but most of those books today, they're long out of print and they're very hard to get a hold of. And there is some newer content that's out there. I think one of the better books that I'm thinking of in my head right now, it came out maybe about seven years ago. And it wasn't like even really what we would call a top seller. It was a very good book. This one author wrote, but my friends, this is something that if we don't walk in the knowledge of this, we have a whole generation of young people that they, and I'm talking about young people in the body of Christ. Many of them are clueless. They're clueless to this kingdom mystery. And we need to be able to bring others in the body of Christ into this and we need to bring particularly this next generation that's rising up back to an understanding of God's power and God's great ability. You know, today, even in a lot of our, what we would call Pentecostal type churches, or let me just say spirit filled churches in many spirit filled churches, you hardly ever see the Holy spirit move. And this is something that was prophesied back in the 1940s where many prophets said Pentecost is going to grow. It's going to grow incredible. It's going to go around the world. Churches are going to get large. They will be Pentecostal in the sense where they have an understanding of this, but along with the growth, 
there is going to be an overall diminishing, however, of the power and the moving of the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what we have today. We have many large churches that in their doctrinal belief system state that we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. But in the services or even, at, you know, in their, you know, other meetings related to the churches, there's very, very little moving of the Holy Spirit, very little manifestation of the power of God. But it's never far away, and it can come back, and it's going to for those that are open, but most importantly, it must be there in your life. Say yes, praise God. Mm-mm. And let me just say this. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a life-changing experience, and I do not believe that you can fulfill the fullness of God's destiny and plan for your life on earth without the help of the Holy Spirit. You're going to need all of the help of the Holy Spirit that you can get. Woo, praise God. And it cost me a lot to come into it. When I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I knew I knew exactly what the price tag was before I ever had to pay it. And when I received it, it wasn't long before the denomination that loved me so much and thought, oh, he's going to be a preacher one day. And he's, we're, we're going to really you, uh, work with Stephen to, you know, be a great preacher and all this and that. Well, they, they did not understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, even back during charismatic outpouring, they this particular denomination rejected it. They said, no, we still don't want anything to do with it. So they were kind of bypassed <laughs> hanging on the old truths back from the 1800s, which were good truths, but just camping there not moving with the glory cloud. But along with, you know, that church group, not understanding that I, that I belonged to at that time, my immediate family members didn't understand it. My mom, my dad, they didn't understand it. They thought I had lost my mind. They thought, oh, he's gone Pentecostal, he's gone crazy. Let me say this, if we're crazy, there's today 600 million of us, okay? There are over 600 million believers who believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues and the gifts of the Spirit available today with signs, wonders, and miracles following. Woo, glory to God. And that, that number is growing, by the way, exponentially. So, you know, some of the doubters and powders and some of the stone throwers, now they're the ones in many ways that are d diminished and they're trying to fight just to hold on. But God's Spirit is moving. But I would say that in the Western church and in the American church, there has been a moving away from the power of the Spirit to more of a social type gospel, to more of a, uh, you know, a human positive type gospel. And so I'm not going to critique any of that or anything like that. My thing is just to do what God's called me to do. Uh, let Jesus, the head of the church, deal with all of these things that he's got to watch over and take care of. But my friends, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I want to talk today about unraveling more deeply this mystery of the kingdom, which is not just tongues. I want to go a little bit further with it. Okay. So, however, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Now, what is a mystery? Well, a mystery in a biblical definition means to make known special secrets. And because they are kingdom secrets, kingdom mysteries, 
The secrets are intended to be unveiled to those within the kingdom while it's understood that those outside of the kingdom are never going to get it. Why? Because you have to be born again. And if you're not born again, you're never going to understand spiritual things. And when I say spiritual, I'm talking about, <coughs> excuse me, spiritual in a biblically spiritual way. Because there's a lot of weird spiritual stuff out there. I'm not talking about worldly spiritual. I'm talking about what's biblically spiritual. Praise God. Now, there's only two kingdoms, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of light is under the government of God himself. Christ has been given legal authority by the Father to govern the kingdom of light. And the kingdom of darkness is governed by Satan himself. There's only two kingdoms. There's no third kingdom, no fourth kingdom. There's only two. And you make the choice, make the decision. Everybody does. What kingdom they belong to and which one, which king they're going to serve because a king rules over each kingdom. And somebody might say, well, I'm just neutral. Well, that means you've already made a choice. You've already made a choice, and that would be the choice of darkness. My friends, these are mysteries for those that are within the kingdom, special secrets that God wants to reveal and pull the curtain back on for the believers that are in the body of Christ. We should not expect those that are out in the world that don't know Christ to understand these mysteries. Woo, praise the Lord. We should not expect unbelievers to understand speaking in tongues. We should not expect them to understand giving and receiving because when they, when they think about giving, they think about subtraction. They think about deduction. They think about loss. How can you give something away and increase? But there is a kingdom mystery called giving and receiving Luke chapter six, verse 38, that when you give, into the work of the Lord, when you give to the area that God would designate you to give to, even if it's to the poor, God is able to take what you give and multiply it and bring it back to you multiplied many, many, many times over. Well, that doesn't make any sense to somebody that is in the natural because they think, well, if you give now you've been, you're reduced. You don't have as much as you previously had. Ah, it is a mystery understood by those who understand the way the kingdom of God operates, which is eternal principles that are built on the rock that can never be shaken. And my friends, that's what we build our life upon the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have other mysteries, of course, in the kingdom. You have the mystery of communion where when the bread and the juice are blessed, Somebody would look at it that would be an unbeliever, and they would say, hmm, still looks like grape juice to me. Pastor Stephen looks like a little wafer. Well, it is now the body and the blood of Christ under the, under the veiled disguise of what would still appear to be bread and juice. But it's not. It's not. Praise the Lord. Well, I don't understand that. That's why it's a mystery. It's a mystery to many that are theologians that say, oh, no, that's not, that's not true. There's no change. There is a change, but you can't see it with your natural eye. But let me tell you, let me tell you this with all of my heart. If you could get in the spirit for one moment, you could discern the truth on that. 
And it's happened to me before. It has, hap it has happened to me before. Do you see this right here, this little wafer? And this grape juice, we haven't prayed over it. We haven't blessed it. We haven't set it apart as holy. Right now, it's just a little bitty wafer and a little piece of grape juice. Uh, not, not a piece, a, little, a few ounces of grape juice. But let me tell you, when we pray over that and we bless it, it becomes the body and the blood of Christ. And I have been taken into the spirit before, and I have seen the reality of it. Well, you're going to have to explain that to me, Pastor Steve. What do you mean by taken into the spirit? I can't. Sometimes I can't. I take it by the word, and because I take it by the word, my faith becomes sight. And the Lord has allowed me to have certain experiences where I have seen in the spirit realm the phenomenal truth, the phenomenal truth of it. And my friends, these things are kingdom mysteries. I can't explain all this with my intellect, but when I read things in the Bible that I know that are true, I take it to heart. Woo, praise the Lord. Let me, let me tell you, there have been men and women of God that were holy, men and women of God that have lived off nothing but what I'm holding in my hands right here. A little wafer and communion. That's all, maybe like a, a half an ounce of communion juice and a little wafer. And that's it for a day. And there have been men and women who have lived on for decades on nothing more than that. Oh no, Pastor Stephen, they're sneaking food. They're, somebody's bringing them food. No, no, they have been heavily, heavily validated. They have been watched by curious minds around the clock. Hey, what's going on? How do they do this? And doctors have watched and uh, whole teams of doctors have set up shifts to watch some of these saints who lived on nothing but the body and the blood of Christ while received through communion. Uh, one particular lady lived on communion for over 35 years. 35 years. Just this. No steak, no potatoes, nothing else. No water, not even water. <laughs> Woo! And each one of them that were called into that walk. They were gently guided by the Holy Spirit. This one woman that I'm thinking of, who was a German uh, mystic saint, she, for I think it was like 13 years, had gone without food. But after 13 years, the Holy Spirit spoke to her and said, Now you can go without any other form of liquid also. You can give up water now, because you will now be sustained simply by the blood. Mm -mm. I'm telling you, when we bless it, that's not grape juice anymore, and that's not a little wafer. It's a mystery of the kingdom. And some, some don't get it. It's okay. It's all right. Um, but when we cross over to be with the Lord, and uh, we get to have the full truth revealed, it's going to be very, very interesting. <laughs> um, don't ever think that you are the embodiment of all of the knowledge within the body of Christ. Because um, you have to respect your brothers and sisters in the Lord. There are some out there that could know some things that you don't know. And there's some, there's some out there that know some things I don't know. And I'm able to share some things with those who don't know what I know. And I can share it with them in love. Teaching the truth in love. Woo, hallelujah, praise God. And they're delighted when I teach them something they don't know. But I'm also equally delighted when I learn something that's biblical, that's biblical, 
that perhaps escaped my attention before. And you know what the, also the truth is? We're all learning all the time. We are growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord. And it doesn't end when our life ends. We will continue to learn about this great God, who He is forever throughout history, throughout eternity. Praise God. He really is that rich. He really is that deep. He really does have that much of deity about him. Woo, praise God. Mm -mm. Now, again, verse 2, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Well, Pastor Stephen, I'm praying in tongues. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like God's listening. Just take it by faith. Take the word, and your faith will become sight. Okay. Does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Now, I taught a sermon some years back that I received a lot of comments on. Uh, it really blessed a lot of people. It, the, the sermon is called, and you can find it on the internet. It's out there floating around on the various internet media platforms. The message is called, What Happened When I Prayed in Tongues for 15 Hours? And I'm not going to reteach that today. What I'd like to today is give you, maybe I could call it part B of that, or a little bit more of the other side of the story. So in a nutshell, what happened when I was um, still in my 20s, in my mid-20s, I woke up one morning while I lived and worked in the state of Texas, I woke up one morning early to pray, and the Holy Spirit told me, I heard the voice of God. He told me, leave your work and go directly, immediately to California. And I didn't know anybody in California. <laughs> I'd, never, uh, I'd never been there before. I'm trying to remember. No, I never had. Uh, my parents took me and my brothers all over the nation when we had these, you know, like um, vacations. But we never went to California. It was all brand new to me. And so when he told me to go to California, I somehow instantly knew in my spirit, it's Southern California. So that morning I went to work. And you know the story. I told my boss that I'm supposed to go to California, that God told me to go to California, thinking he's going to think I'm crazy. But yet when I told him, I found out later that he was a Pentecostal uh, uh, member of the Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship Association, which many of you know was something born out of the charismatic revivals and fires through Demis Shikarian. Uh, also, that was even going on back in the 1950s when they had William Branham as their main speaker. And of course, Kenneth Hagin and all the classics, they all spoke at the Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship International. By the by, the way, that's a that's a mouthful to say that. <laughs> yeah, that 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 name of that wonderful uh, ministry. But he happened to belong to that ministry association, and when I told him, he poured uh, he pulled out a bottle of anointing oil and he poured it on my head and he said, "Go." And he said, Stephen, I'll mail your check when you get there. Just, you know, write me, give me your address. You know, this was before cell phones and, you know, this was even before pagers. So anyhow, I go out to California and as I'm driving from Texas to Southern California, not even knowing really where I'm going. All I know is somewhere in Southern California and I'm driving. Uh, what took place is that I was, I was kind of like feeling the like, the, the pressure of fear, fear would say, you've done something crazy. You just left your job. You're going to totally mess your life up. You're, you don't even really know where you're going. And I heard these voices of fear. And so 
what brought alleviation from that and what brought comfort from that is that while I was driving, I just began to speak in tongues. And whenever I spoke in tongues, those voices went away. The fear went away and I was able to drive peacefully. And I thought, well, this is pretty wild what I'm doing. I probably should fast a little bit. So I just didn't, I didn't need any food. And on that day, I just drove and drank water. I had some water next to me in a bottle. And I just drank water. If I finished it, I'd fill it up somewhere. Just kept drinking water and just kept praying. And since I started early in the morning and I was on the road before, you know, like 840, I was on the road driving. Well, you know, by lunch, I'm still praying, still driving. And at night, still praying, still driving. And I just kept on going, kept on going and uh, just kept on praying, kept on praying. And uh, what took place is that late, late at night, I'm trying to remember exactly when it was. It's right around midnight. It's right around midnight that as I was going through the mountains of New Mexico, because I'm driving from Texas to California, as I was going through the mountains of, of New Mexico, suddenly, very close to midnight, a surge of Holy Spirit power went through me and came upon me unlike anything I'd ever experienced before up to that point. I'd never felt power, the prey, come upon me like it did. And what was going on was basically what we would know as Romans chapter 8, verse 26, where the Holy Spirit comes and He begins to pray through you. Now, you have to do the praying, but if you'll yield, He'll empower you to pray. And He took me to a level of prayer I'd never been into before my life. It was, it was off the charts. Was I praying loud? Yes, but I wasn't trying to. It was just coming out loud. Uh, there was no strain. There was no effort. He was just pouring through me with power, and I was cooperating, and I began to pray in tongues. Now, by that time, I'd been praying right around 15 hours nonstop in tongues, fasting, drinking nothing but water, and uh, I, was, I was wired. I was charged. <laughs> and as I just prayed and prayed with tremendous power of the Spirit, and it went on for, um, uh, it seemed maybe like 15 minutes, this real strong power. It, I, it got to a point I felt like I was about to explode. I couldn't take it anymore. And right when that happened, as I was praying with intense power, I had rolled my window down so I could get that cool mountain air to keep me awake because I was still planning on driving. What happened is uh, it, like a power release moment happened, and I looked out of my window, and on that cloudless night with all the stars twinkling, I saw a demonic prince thrown out of the second heaven. I'm talking about the area where the airplanes fly, where the evil forces have their strongholds at. Now, one day, thankfully, one day in the coming future, Michael the archangel is going to pull Satan down and all of those wicked spirits in high places, and he's going to throw them down to the planet. And then they're going to be down here. And they're going to lose their, what we would call air superiority. But for right now, there's these various strongholds. And I saw a very powerful evil spirit thrown out of the second heaven. And he began to plunge down towards the earth. He'd lost his authority and his influence. And when that happened, a breaking took place in my life. And I was like, whoa, Lord. I felt like weights came off of me. All fear came off of me. 
And I was like, Lord, what in the, what in the world was that? And the Lord showed me that that was an evil spirit, a very strong evil spirit that had been assigned by Satan himself to destroy my destiny, to thwart the plan that God had for my life. And it included three primary things. The devil was trying to block me from meeting the woman that would become my spouse. The devil was trying to block my ministry calling from coming forth. All of this happened in Southern California, by the way, when I got there, just all started falling into place. <laughs> and number three, he was trying to just thwart and destroy the overall plan for my life where I would become basically what you could call a failure in life. Somebody that never stepped into what God had for them. And that night, that night, God put a stop to all of it and threw out that wicked spirit, threw him down, threw him down. Now, those of you that watched that previous message, which I taught a couple of years ago, you know that. I would like to tell you what happened the next day. Mm, are you ready? <laughs> As Paul Harvey said, um, you know, the other part of the story, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Before I tell you what happened the next day, let me go back about two years previous to that experience. Two years earlier, um, my eyesight had just, it had deteriorated from what before was normal, 2020, perfect vision. As, as a high school student, uh, I never needed glasses or anything like that, had uh, perfect vision. But something happened in my mid-20s where my eyesight began to go, it began to just diminish. And I ended up getting a prescription for glasses that the glasses were so thick because I couldn't, I couldn't see anything hardly. I was losing my eyesight as far as clarity and the ability to see things. And to make it worse, at one point in my life, would you believe this? I was a taxi driver. And I would, um, uh, I would have to pull right up to the street sign, roll the window down, and strain, even with my glasses on, to see what the street sign was. And I'm supposed to be taking people home. I'm supposed to be driving people to the airport. I'm supposed to be, you know, picking people up. And this was before GPS, so you couldn't put it on your phone. And uh, also, the, uh, in this area... I didn't even really have a map. I had to learn the streets and stuff like that. So when I was still learning certain areas of the city that I lived in, oh, you're talking about frustration and pressure. Because there were many times where, uh, you know, I'm going somewhere to take somebody home that's sitting in the back of the cab. And they would say, hey, hey, you just went right past my house. Oh, sorry about that. Won't charge you extra for that. Let me swing right around. And um, why did that happen? I couldn't, I couldn't read the street signs. And so... Uh, while this diminishing of my eyesight had taken place, I'm listening to Charles Capps. I'm listening to Kenneth Hagin. I'm listening to Kenneth Copeland, men that are teaching what Jesus taught. Mark chapter 11, verse 23 and verse 24. You can have what you say that if, that if you can get your faith up and you believe it and say it, you can have it. So I'm driving around for two years as a taxi driver for two years. I can hardly see where I'm going. And I'm confessing, I have Hawkeye vision. I have Hawkeye vision. And I couldn't, couldn't hardly see anything. Well, fast forward two years. I'm now driving to California. I kept that confession up 
for two years. Can you believe that? For two years, I would say that every day. I have Hawkeye vision. I can see like a hawk. <laughs> so, so while driving to California, that night, I had that dramatic power session of the Holy Spirit, and the enemy's plan was of, of destruction for me was broken. Hallelujah. And I went through, met my wife. Woo! Uh, met my spiritual father, got raised up in ministry, and my life began to blossom and become beautiful. But the very next day, the very next day while I was driving to California, the night before I had the big night, right? So I got just a couple of hours of sleep, and I, uh, I reached a rest stop right when you come into the California border. Hallelujah. Getting close. But I was tired from all the driving. So I pulled over. Now, this is the rest of the story. Now, remember, I had just finished praying for over 15 hours in tongues, having fasted. And this is the next day. Well, I got to California. I was tired. And I'm at the rest area. I went, I went and I used the restroom. And I came back. And before I started driving again, I sat, I went and sat on the hood of my car. Yes, it's hot because the motor had been running, but it still felt comfortable. So I sat literally on the hood of my car and I took my glasses off. Those thick, can't see without them, glasses. I took those glasses off and I set them on the hood of the car and kind of, you know, wiped my face and uh, wiped the sweat off my brow and thought, well, I'm getting close. Not quite sure where I'm going or how this is all going to work out, but I'm on the way. <laughs> and I'm almost there. And I, you know, encouraged myself in the Lord. And I got back in the car and started driving. Got back out on the Interstate 8. Started driving. Got up the Interstate speed. And I'm rolling. <clears throat> Woo! I'm excited. And I'm driving. And I drove, I don't know, maybe, maybe 20 minutes. And then it hit me. Wait a minute. Where are my glasses? <laughs> <laughs> and I realized I had left them on the hood of the car. But, and I looked, of course, they're gone. They're long gone, blown off the side of the road somewhere or out in the middle of the road, run over by all the trucks and who knows what else. So I just realized, Lord, they're gone and I don't have a second pair. Lord, um, you're just going to have to cover me. And I believe that my Hawkeye vision is kicking in today. Well, I got to California and realized, well, I'm in a new state. I need to get a new driver's license. And this is a true story. When I went to get my driver's license, I took the test for my eyesight with no glasses because I didn't have any. And the lady that worked there at, at the, you know, California Highway Patrol, she said, sir, you have perfect vision. You got every single thing right that you read. And uh, I stepped back further, and there was a chart. She had wanted me to read a certain chart, and I aced it. And I stood back even further, and I read the line beneath it and read it flawlessly. She told me I did. But she said, you don't have to read that one. You've already passed. I said, it's okay. I'm just doing this for my own personal fun. And I stepped back even further, and I read the little bitty line beneath that one that most people couldn't read even if they were up to the legal line. I stood way back, could even read that. She said, well, you got all those right, too. <laughs> I mean, I had come into like Hawkeye vision. Now, as you can see, I'm wearing some glasses today. Uh, you have to realize that was about, oh, 20, 
almost a quarter of a century ago. So um, I've got a lot of things that I'm using my faith for right now. And so for me, it's just easier at this point to put on some glasses. They're not the super strong glasses I wore back then. They're enough just to get me along while I'm, while I'm driving or while I'm preaching. Praise the Lord. Outside of that, I don't need them at all. Praise God. I've even had the eye doctor say, how do, you, how do you not wear your glasses outside of driving or preaching? He said, don't you have the most horrible piercing headaches? I said, no, I've, I actually never have headaches at all. He said, there's no way. I said, no, I, <laughs> I just wear these when I drive and I wear them when I preach. He's like, I don't understand that. But I know I always have time to explain kingdom mysteries to people. I actually know two stories of two girls, young girls that were healed, that actually have no, uh, no eyeballs in the socket, but yet they can still see perfectly. There's no eyeball at all. Nothing, nothing there, but just an open, uh, open area in both. No medical devices hooked up, nothing. But they were prayed to be healed from blindness, and they can see perfectly they can see perfectly with no eyeballs in the socket. Well, I don't, I don't believe that. Well, that, that they, they can still see. Can't argue with, they can still walk around seeing. They're not bumping in, in, into anything. They're conducting their life just like any other person. They're not even colorblind. They can distinguish color, everything. Yet there's no eyes in their socket. <laughs> Woo! Glory. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. But here's something that I realized. The healing of my eyes was expedited. The miracle was expedited because of all of that praying I had done in the spirit. And if you will move over into these areas of extended praying, it, and I'm talking about praying. Yes, some of your praying can be in the English or your native tongue, but I would say on these special spiritual exercises, just go all out in tongues. You might want to do a little bit in English or whatever, but for the most part, and I'm talking maybe like 98%, whew, just go off the deep end and go all out in tongues. There is a minister that lives in Singapore that said, uh, he said he thought he'd try this experimentation of just praying in tongues and see what happens. So he got a friend, a ministerial friend, because he was a head pastor of a church. And those two went off for 72 hours to pray and fast, just drinking water. And he said what I have also discovered. He said, whew, when you do it nonstop, you will drink a lot of water. And now, of course, they slept a little bit at night, but they didn't have a full night's sleep. They would just get right back up after a few hours of sleep at night and go whew, right back in the praying in the spirit. And he said, he said that they had done that for three days, 72 hours. Now they were inside of a, a church building when they did it and there were no windows. So he kind of lost track of time, except for the fact that he knew that they had prayed for 72 hours. So he thought, well, you know, I guess it'll be, uh, you know, sometime still early in the morning, but we've done 72 hours. So they walked out and he said, when they walked out of the church building, now remember, they have prayed in tongues for 72 hours in tongues, nonstop, just drinking water. And they walked out. And when they walked out, it was like six o'clock in the morning, he said, and the sun had not yet come up. But when they walked out into the darkness, there were lights, he said, shooting up all over the city, all over the city. And he said, Lord, um, 
With my physical eyes, I can see that it's still dark out here, and the sun hasn't come up. So what are all these lights that I'm seeing shooting up that I'm seeing in the spirit realm? And the Lord said, those are the Christians that are up early that are praying. Their prayers are coming up to me, and they, and they appeared in the spirit as shafts of light going straight up to God. Mm-mm. And he was able to see that in the spirit realm. And so also was his assistant. They both saw it together. Whoo, praise the Lord. Mm-mm. Let's take our Bibles and go to a book that's very easy to find, the book of Jude, which is right before the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jude only has what we would call one chapter. So let's go to verse 20. But you beloved building yourselves up, how? On your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, Greek scholars tell us that this building up is very similar to our modern day expression of charging a battery. And I want, I want to say this. The only way that you as a Christian can be defeated is if you allow yourself to be spiritually depleted. Ooh, I need to say it again. The only way that you as a Christian can be defeated is if you allow yourself to become spiritually depleted. Please, please don't let that happen to yourself. Praise God. Build up that charge. See, you already have faith. Faith has come by the hearing of the word. Now build it up. So you have the full power. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't let your cell phone run out of power and die. Don't let your spirit life run down to where your spirit is so weak, so weak that your charge is out. What's around the corner? Oh, probably some kind of an attack from the enemy that you weren't anticipating that you weren't expecting. He'll wait till your cell phone battery goes down to zero and hits you. He'll wait. And I'm not talking about, you know, I'm using symbolism. He'll wait till your charge runs down, runs down, runs down. And that's when, that's when he'll set it up where some kind of bizarre bad news comes to you through an email or a phone call or a letter or something like that. to just totally knock the wind out of you or some type of attack that you weren't expecting. You've got to be up. You've got to be up every single day to walk in the victory that Christ purchased for you at Calvary. How do you do it? Prayed in the spirit. But today we're focusing on extended times where you're not only charged, you're sending out that power. Mm. You can send, you can send breakthroughs into your future by releasing anointings from these full charges that you receive where angels can take these prayers and literally skip, skip it forward and drop it like an arrow into your future. So that when you get there, boom, the door is already set and things are already prepped and you go through smoothly. Woo. Boy, I tell you, there is a fluidity in the spirit where things go the way they are supposed to go. Also, as you're charged up, you can minister in a sense where angels come and they begin to take prayer requests of things that you're picking up in the spirit. Now, this is very important for me. This is not optional. 
for me. This is very important for me as, as a minister because let me ask, let me answer a question and explain something all at the same time. So often I get a reoccurring email sent to me by many different people from around the world. Pastor Stephen, when I'm praying in tongues, when I'm praying in the spirit, particularly for longer periods of time, what am I supposed to be focusing on? That is a very, very good question. Let's unpack that. When you are praying in the spirit for longer periods of time, you will notice that you cover everything on your prayer list. You can just bring it before the Lord. You can focus on it. But after a while, maybe an hour, maybe two hours, that's done. You've covered everything. You've, you've prayed for the president, the vice president. You've prayed for your governor. You've prayed for uh, your, your local officials, law enforcement. You've prayed for the ministry. You've prayed for your family. You've prayed for the missionaries around the world. Uh, you, you've prayed for this and that and the other. You've prayed for everything you can think of. Okay, now at that point, at that point, wherever that is, maybe it's after 40 minutes, maybe it's after an hour. At that point, you begin to go into the territory where the Holy Spirit becomes your radar. And as you begin to pray in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will begin to bring things up on the radar, and it'll look like a blip, blip, like just like a real radar, like a blip, blip, blip going by on a radar. You know what he brings up to me? You. Oh, no, Pastor Stephen, you, uh, you've never met me, Pastor Stephen. I, I, I live in another state. Pastor Stephen, I live on the other side of the planet. You, you've never met me before. You'd be surprised what I know about you, even if I've never met you face to face. If you pray for this ministry, if you have a heart for this ministry, if you feel that you have a connection with this ministry, if you sow into this ministry, you'd be shocked at how I know you in the spirit. Mm -mm. And sometimes I sit there. Sometimes I sit there for hours. You wouldn't believe some of the things God shows me about you. That doesn't mean I get on the phone and call you. That doesn't mean I get on the email and start because if I'm calling and emailing, I I don't have time to pray for you, which is my primary assignment, minister the word to you to build you up and pray for you. But I think you would be surprised. And many of the things I can't, I can't tell people because sometimes God shows me exactly why they can't get their miracle. And I can't, I can't tell people. One of the reasons why is there is a spiritual protocol there. What's that pastor Stephen? Is that God, let me explain it like this. God knows everything, but he doesn't tell you everything. God reveals what you want to know. And there are many things he would probably like for you to know. Well, how come he doesn't reveal them? Because you don't ask him. And I don't reveal things unless God tells me to. I don't reveal things unless people ask me. But my goodness, wow, some of the things the Lord shows me, I'm like, oh, Lord, wow. And I'm not talking about stuff I'm making up or I'm trying to figure out by psycho, you know, analysis or something like that. No, I'm talking about God talking to me and showing me as I get over in the spirit and the radar scan, start scanning ministry partners, online church members, pure gold partners, those that love this ministry. And God starts bringing you up, bringing you up. And I just hang out and I pray. I pray that for that individual, I pray for you until 
the radar shifts and somebody else comes up. Okay, Lord, I see. And I begin to pray. <laughs> Things get very exciting when the Lord starts talking about that person. And in a sense, the Lord is because it's the Holy Spirit bringing them up, bringing them up. Woo! Praise God. Praise God. That happens out of a full charge. You cannot do that with a depleted battery system. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been to a prayer meeting that would be a collective prayer meeting of other believers and you're there maybe to pray for other things such as like maybe you're going to pray for the our political leaders, maybe you're going to pray for Israel. Have you ever had like a corporate or church prayer meeting or collective meeting like that where you go to and there's other believers and you're supposed to be praying about these other things. You're supposed to be maybe lifting up the president or you're going to pray for your pastor, whatever it might be. But somebody starts praying and they're turning their personal prayer time into their public prayer. Why? Because they haven't had any personal prayer time. And because they haven't had any personal time with the Lord, it starts coming out. Now they're trying to make the corporate prayer time, which should be for the greater issues, you know, that we can all hit this target at the same time. It suddenly they're trying to morph it into their own prayer time. Oh, oh God. Oh, I love you so much. Now, hold on a minute. You should have done all, done all that in your own prayer time. We're over here trying to pray for this, but so, so you, that's what happens when people aren't fully charged. Even if you're at 70%, you can't go into this other area where now you're charged and you're emitting in the spirit that power, that power. And when you're charged, you can send angels. And if you're not, you can't. And they know you can't. Well, I'm going to, no, no. We can go through all these religious gymnastics and jump through all these hoops and scream and holler and shout. And I'm not saying that when you're not in the spirit, you can't get loud. But I'm just saying a lot of people, they do a lot of um, very unusual manifestations that are all in the flesh, and that's happening because they're not, charged, they're not charged up. And they can't even discern. They can't even distinguish. They cannot follow that flow. That's why Paul said, let there be an interpreter. And that interpreter in the church is not somebody who can only interpret what somebody said in tongues that is a public tongue that needs an interpretation to bless the congregation, but those that can follow, where's the Holy Spirit going in this? Woo. Now you get a whole group that can track that. You're going to have times the whole group can get caught up in the spirit. Mm -mm. And yes, <laughs> it is very refreshing. It is very refreshing. And Psalm 16 verse 11 of course, tells us that in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. Pastor Stephen, I have been diagnosed with clinical depression. There's a cure for that. It's being in the presence of the Lord. And I'll be honest, sometimes you've got to fight claw to get into that place because the flesh, the crazy flesh, I'll tell you what, Adam, bless his heart, he did a real number on the human race. Now, I know that Christ has redeemed us from the blunder, the sin that Adam committed, and he allowed sin to come into the earth. And there is redemption in Christ, but we have not yet experienced our full redemption when we get a glorified body. So we have it in a measure while we still live in these earth suits. 
And as you and I both know, that old flesh can put a fight up and it'll just, it'll just about do anything except for pray. It will never ever want to pray. And as a, a spirit with a soul living inside the house of your body, you have got to get that flesh in line because mm-hmm. it doesn't want to come over into this place of getting into these kingdom mysteries. It just wants to sit down and watch TV all the time. It just wants to do whatever it wants to do. And so you must, you must push, push yourself. And when you have these extended periods of particularly speaking in tongues, praying in tongues for extended periods of time, you show your body who the boss is. You show your soulish nature who the boss is. Woo. Hallelujah. Cause let me tell you right now, your flesh will contend to sit on the throne and act like a king. And you need to let the body know, no, you're not in charge. Now we, we're, you know, we're all in this together. You, you know, you got to take care of your body because your body goes down, you get sick or something like that. It can make it difficult for your spirit to release what it and do, what it wants to do. But God wants your spirit to be dominant. Then next in line is your soul, which is comprised of your, your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect that, and let me just tell you that can give you a real fight as well. Some people, they are so intellectually dominant. They cannot get into the spirit. Why? Because their, their brain is in charge and everything is filtered through the brain and through what the, the Bible would call the soul. And the soul can be very, very misleading with very strong mindsets, with very uh, ingrained uh, behavioral patterns, or, you know, this is the way we're going to do it. Particularly, watch out, I'm going to help some of you, particularly if you're smart and you have a high IQ, you have to be very, very careful about that. That's why the Apostle Paul said, when I was among you, I wanted to know nothing except Christ crucified, and I was with you in fear and trembling. Why? Because he was a genius. He really was. He was taught by the most brilliant Jewish scholar, Gamaliel, of the day. And Paul had a brain that was up there. And uh, uh, he was brilliant, no question about it. But Paul's like, you know what? That's not going to get people delivered. That's not going to uh, help me to get the gospel over to them in a simple way that they can understand. Now, you can see elements of that genius when you, be, when you read the book of Romans. That is a theological treatise of gold. It's beautiful. Uh, so if you want to get intellectual, have a little fun with the book of Romans. But he also knows, I've got to get this to them in an understandable way. And my friends, the power is in the cross. Praise God. That's why your spirit has to come into the lead. We see this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Paul said, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you, set you apart completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you must fight so that your spirit has the ascendancy, where it has the primary position, where Christ is seated upon the throne of your heart, and then your soul and your body follow in the proper sequential order. Can you say amen? And when you pray in the spirit for long periods of time, your spirit will become dominant. Your spirit will become dominant and you can discern that soulish in nature, 
that's that, that that may look like it's of God. See, brass and gold can look very similar. And if you polish brass really, really good, it almost looks like gold. But if you take it down to sell it, they're going to only give you, what is it, $16 a pound or $16? It's not very much money. But gold, gold they'll give you $2,000 an ounce for. And it is a tremendous difference. So if you get over to where your spirit is synced up with God, you can just very quickly say, oh, you can see that's, that's of the soulish nature. Mm-mm. And the word becomes so alive and you can discern between spirit and soul. Mm-mm. And you can certainly uh, discern between spirit and flesh. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Glory to God. Now, come on, get your battery fully charged and charged to the max and then from that position, then from that position, begin to radiate glory to God. And that's, that's when you release angels and send angels out and you have very effective things happen. And I can, at times like that, I can even send angels out on behalf of others to minister to others based upon their prayer requests and their needs, that those prayers be met by the great power of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm-mm. Oh God, we give you praise. Hallelujah. Romans chapter eight. Let's close with this verse. Romans eight verse 26. Likewise, the spirit and, and scholars believe this is in reference to the Holy spirit. Of course, not the human spirit, the Holy spirit. Likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Now the word weaknesses there in the Greek, it can refer to our inability to accomplish and do certain things. It can also refer to, listen to this, a crippling disease. It can refer to a mental oppression. It can refer to a recurring plague, which is terminal and incurable. In other words, you can be in a pit You can be in a place physically, financially, in bondage to a certain stronghold, and you think, God, I cannot get out of this. I'm here today to show you how to get out. And the way that you get out is by to begin praying in the Holy Spirit. And watch this. Any pit that you could ever find yourself in, the Holy Spirit will jump into that mess with you and he'll help you get out of it. Oh no, God, God wouldn't do that. You, you'd be shocked where God would go. He'll go right where you're at and he'll start turning it. He'll start turning it. And if you'll begin praying in the spirit and get over into a place where you keep praying, I'm telling you, he'll break you out of that. He'll lift you up out of that. It doesn't matter that miry mud and clay that just creates a suction where you think you can't get out. You're stuck. He can get you out. The Holy Spirit can get you out of any weakness. Mm. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. There are some things that are beyond human ability to solve. And maybe if some others know the answer, maybe you don't know them. Maybe they don't know you. And so you're stuck in a place where you don't have the knowledge or the resources that could give aid to you. But God still, he can come and he can directly help you. 
Praise the Lord. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now in the Greek it says groanings which cannot be uttered in an articulated form of speech. In other words, you're just like God. You're like, in a, if we could say it in English, it's just like help. God, help. Change it. Turn it. Lord, break through for me. Praise God. And you express that through these deep groanings that the Holy Spirit will come. And now, He will not do the praying for you, but if you'll yield, He'll help you, and He will pray through you. And there can be times He'll pour through you like fire. And when that ever happens, just pray with every ounce of strength you have. Why? Because the lifting will come. The lifting will come, and God will take you and bring you into a place where you're on a solid rock, and the next thing you know, you're out, you're free, it's over with. Praise God. You're in a place of victory. And we see this in Psalm 40. This is too good not to look at today. Psalm 40, verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord, and that waiting patiently from a new covenant perspective can also, of course, include praying in tongues, extended periods. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet on a rock, Woo! and established my steps. I've had two times in my life where I thought for sure, I'm done. There's no way out of this. I'm going to die. <laughs> and the, the scenarios were also in situations where if it happened, nobody would have known. It would have been like I had fallen off the earth. Nobody ever, ever would have found me because of places that I was in. And I faced certain death. Pastor Stephen, what'd you do? I laid there and I began to cry out to God. And just when I thought, Lord, I'm going to die, the Holy Spirit came along and began to lift me in my prayer, and my prayer changed. And I said, but God, you can get me out of this. And that was the Holy Spirit helping me and giving me words and giving me expression. It, it was a groaning. It, it just, and God heard. And here I am today. And I planned on, I plan on finishing my course. And God's going to help you to finish your course as well. Praise God. Praise God. Now, I want to encourage you, take those special moments when you have time. It might not, of course, be something that you could do daily, maybe not even weekly, maybe not even monthly, but look for those opportunities when you can just go for it without interruption, when you have the time alone to really pray in the Spirit and explore this kingdom mystery so that it's no longer a mystery to you. You know the reality of the power of it. Praise God. Just get out there. Watch what God will do. And eventually, as you do, your mind will reach a quiet place. How many of you know you could sit in a chair and be totally quiet, but the gears of your mind are still turning? Maybe the problems of life. Maybe the business, busyness of life. The things maybe you have to do tomorrow or the upcoming week. But my friends... If you'll get quiet with the Lord, get that mind quiet 
then you'll be able to get over into the spirit. Keep praying, keep praying, and then you'll move into the spirit. Your mind will become quiet, and that's when, that's when the Holy Spirit will start taking you into unexplored areas, and you'll begin to pray by the spirit. And trust me, everything that he leads you to pray for and about, it's 100% the will of God. Mm-mm. I see somebody's story changing. God is so good. This is a breakthrough year for you, but don't sit back and, th- and think, well, I'll just let it happen. I'll just take it for granted. It'll just happen. Don't leave anything to chance. God's going to do great things. There are some things in a sense. It's like, it's going to fall in your lap. Yes. There are some things. It's almost like there's at least two this year. It's like, they're just going to fall in your lap. But all oh, my friends pray it in so that everything happens without any obstruction, without any interruption, and that it goes smoothly. Mm-hmm. Glory to God. And you'll have a lot more than two things happen. Praise the Lord. Now, of course, as you touch this realm, which one time the Lord called it, he told me, he called it the slipstream of heaven, that you can merge into it. As you touch this realm, you just might become convinced that this is too good of a place to ever pull out of or leave. And you can merge into that stream and maintain it. Enoch was a, he was an example of that. He was a man that walked with God in a very unusual walk with the Lord. He was married. He had children, but he still found that, that pace with the spirit that worked for him, that allowed him to maintain that walk. Anybody in running knows that you, as you begin to jog, there's a pace that you feel comfortable with. If it's too slow, you think I can go a little faster and you're still working. You're expending energy, but you're comfortable there. You, you know, also if you go just a little bit faster, you leave that zone. Well, as you continue to increase that comfort zone or that pace will become adjusted to a new level. But there is a pace of the spirit in that slipstream. You can merge into that and you see what it will cost you. And you agree to meet that pace. And as you start walking in that, whoo, praise God, praise God. You begin going over into oftentimes that realm of the supernatural and your life becomes very, very interesting. I would say that you can safely Put away your parachute. You'll never need to thrill seek anymore in your life. You don't need to jump out of an airplane to get a thrill. You don't need to jump off the top of a bridge overhanging a chasm with a bungee cord to get some kind of a rush. Walk close with the Lord and you'll have the wildest ride you've ever been in ever. Woo. You talking about a rush. Glory to God. Nothing better. And it's the, it is joy beyond measure. Lift your hands. Father, I pray for your people today that they will explore this kingdom mystery and that the mystery, the veil be pulled back so that it's no longer a mystery, but it's a truth that they can walk in. I thank you, Father God. I thank you that many are going to explore this realm and they will come back with such testimonies that others will say, This is too good for me not to go there also. Father, we thank you. 
I thank you for the adventurers in the spirit. I give you praise. I thank you for the miraculous answers to prayer. And I thank you, Father, they could also taste Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, where as they call unto you through these extended periods of time of seeking you, you're going to answer them and show them great and mighty things that they don't know, that they could never, never, if they stayed on the planet for a thousand years, they never could have figured that out. They never could have seen that or have understood that. But because they're going to walk with you in the spirit, you're going to show them great and mighty things that they didn't know. Father, we give you praise and glory. We thank you that you're expediting things just like you expedited the healing of my eyes and brought me into that. Yes, I, I believed you, O oh God, for two years, but it could have been a longer, much longer trek had I not prayed. But you brought forth that healing because of that extended time in prayer, because the word became so charged in my spirit. I thank you, Father, there will be many that will receive sudden miracles. Father, we thank you that some of the things of the spirit are like riding a bicycle that once we learned how to do it, we, we somehow are able to maintain that balance. We learn that motor skill and it's that fine skill is, is still there. Even if we got away from it for a while. So father, I thank you that this walking in the spirit is something that some of your people, they've, they've engaged in this, but they're going to come back for more with a ravenous appetite. I thank you that you have great answers waiting for them. Father, we give you all of the praise, all of the praise. Bless your people in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. My friends, if you're watching today and perhaps you're watching and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. He is the King of eternal life. He is the King over the kingdom of light. And He extends today to you salvation. And He makes it available to you because He paid the penalty for your sins while He hung on the cross at Calvary. He died. He bled for you to purchase redemption for you. All you have to do is give him your life. Turn to him right now. Receive him as your Lord and Savior. He'll save you right now. If you would like to make that commitment to receive Christ, pray this prayer. Pray it out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you hung on the cross. You died. And on the third day, you rose again for my salvation. Jesus, I give you my life. Come into my heart. Wash all of my sins away. Thank you. Write my name in your book of life. And I take you now as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. Welcome to the family of God. Woo, he's heard that prayer and he said yes. You're in. You're in. Praise God. Your passport to heaven is stamped. Invite as many as you would like to come along with you. <laughs> Woo, we're going to the city of God. Praise the Lord. My friends, let's take Holy Communion together today. Another kingdom, uh, kingdom mystery. Grab some unleavened bread. I use these little wafers. You can buy them 
at Christian bookstores or online. And this is grape juice inside the cup. Let's take Holy Communion together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the bread. We thank you for the juice. We ask you to bless it. We consecrate it. And we set it apart right now as holy. We thank you that this is the body and the blood of Christ, our Savior. Thank you, O God. And Father, as we receive the body of Jesus now, we thank you for strength. We thank you for your grace to overcome all trials and difficulties. And we choose to walk by faith, even in areas that maybe we don't have the answers yet that we need or we don't have the, we don't know certain things that we would like to know, but yet we believe in faith, those answers and that insight is coming. Father, we receive the body of Jesus and we thank you that help is on the way and that he is our solid rock. Father, in Jesus name, amen. Let's receive the body of Christ together now. I believe you're going to get your miracle. Hallelujah. And there's nothing the enemy can do about it because God's greater and he's going to help you. You're going to get your miracle. Praise God. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. And we ask that if we have committed any sin, that you would wash our sins away. We ask that you would forgive us. And we thank you for that. And Father, we forgive anybody, anyone who has committed any sin against us, who has done us wrong. We completely, 100% forgive them, and we bless them in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father God, that Jesus died for us. Hallelujah. To purchase our pardon. Oh God, we thank you that you loved us while we were yet in our sins. We thank you, Father God, for Jesus. Father, as we receive the blood of Christ, we thank you for illumination and understanding of your kingdom and of knowing the great King, Jesus, the King over the kingdom of light. Thank you, Father, for your Son and his precious blood. We receive it now in his name. Amen. Let's receive the blood of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up, and He will show you great and mighty things that you don't know, but He's going to show you. Mm -mm. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. There is an anointing right now for deliverance. Praise the Lord. I break the spirit of depression. I see black chains wrapped around some individuals right now. I break it in the name of Jesus. Loose them in the name of the Lord. Father, we give you praise. Depression goes right now. Hallelujah. Discouragement leaves you right now. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. Thank you, Father, for your angels coming on the scene, pushing back the darkness. We give you praise. Thank you, Father God, 
Father, those that will feel as if they have been stuck in lethargic mud and no way to get out. I thank you that you're pulling them up right now, right now. I thank you, Father God, in the name of Jesus, just like Jeremiah was pulled up out of the mud with those old cloths, they lowered down to him, those old wore out rags, and they pulled him up out of the mud. And surely before that, it looked like he was finished, but God delivered him. God delivered David. And any of you that would feel as if you're stuck in any form of mud, you're being brought out today and God's placing you on the rock. Woo! Praise the Lord. The blood of Christ removes all, all mud and debris off of you, any shame off of you. Hallelujah. You're a child of God, and God died so that you could receive His very best. Praise the Lord. Mm, mm, mm. Now, I see the Lord inviting you out into the deeper walk. Praise God. Oh, yes. You'll have many things try to distract you from going into that deeper walk. You'll have many. Primar the primary distraction would come from a uh, complacent voice. Voices of complacency. Oh, you don't need to do that. God loves you just like you are. Yes, of course he does. He died for you just the way you are. He loves you just the way you are. But I'm just saying he's got more for you. He's got a lot more for you, which is a lot more of himself that he wants to reveal to you, a lot more of his anointing, his power, his insight, his way of doing things. And he wants you to come further out to where he's at. Glory, glory to God, glory to God. We see in the Song of Solomon where the bride said, I will come and I will meet you in the wilderness. And that's often the calling of the Spirit. To get away from the crowds and to draw near to the Lord and to receive supernatural empowerment. Now, Father, we thank you. We thank you. We give you praise. Glory, glory to God. You're being strengthened, charged for your own upbuilding, but for the greater glory of being a blessing to others. So, Father, we thank you for this. We thank you for this. Not only will they have the answers, they will have answers for others who do not know where to turn, but they will have the answer. They will have the word, and it will be a sure word, and it will be a, ref a refreshing word that brings great relief. Now, Father, we praise you, and we thank you for this. The Lord is removing barrenness right now. Spiritual barrenness is being removed right now. It's being removed right now. Now, praise God. Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you praise. Oh, Pastor Stephen, I can never have an encounter. I can never have anything where I have any type of valid experience with God in, in these realms. God is removing spiritual barrenness right now. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Now, believe that. The rewards are waiting before you. Father, we give you all of the praise. We seal this with the precious blood of Christ. In his name, we pray, amen, and amen. This is your breakthrough year. Run with the Lord. Don't take things for granted. Run with the Lord, and God 
will put the blessing on thick for you this year. It's going to be a year unlike anything you've ever experienced. And it's time for many of these things to start breaking. Stay very, very close with the Lord. And you're going to see the glory of God and the goodness of God like you never have before. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye.